everybody and welcome back to another episode of reading Harry Potter with an 11 year old. Today we are going to be reading chapter 13 Nicholas Flamel. If you're going to enjoy this episode of today please make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening to this on and share this with your friends and family and if you want to leave us a rating and send in a voice message. Um, speaking of which um, I have had a, a nice voice message from one of my listeners, Antonio Stellars. So we're going to listen to that right now before we jump into reading Harry Potter. Um, without further ado, let's get started. Hi, mate. Um, I'm listening to your podcast, to your audiobook of Harry Potter. I hope you continue doing it. It's nice. Uh, yeah, it keeps in company at while I'm driving or going to work. So it's, uh, I think, a really good company. And I'm really curious about reading Harry Potter apart from uh, uh, watching on television. So, yeah. So a a big fan from Greece here. Goodbye. Um, Thank you for that voice message. Um, Really appreciate it. And as I said before, if you want to send in a voice message, that is in the description below. Okay, let's get started. Chapter 13, Nicholas Flamel. Dumbledore had convinced Harry not to go looking for the Mirror of Erised again, and for the rest of the holidays, the invisibility cloak safe folded at the bottom of his trunk. Harry wished he could, f- he- he could forget what he'd seen in the mirror as easily, but he couldn't. He started having nightmares. Over and over again, he dreamed about his parents disappearing in a flash of green light while a high voice cackled with laughter. You see, Dumbledore was right. That mirror could drive you mad, said Ron, when Harry told him about these dreams. Hermione, who came back the day before term started, took a different view of things. She was torn between horror at the idea of Harry being out of bed and roaming the school three nights in a row. If Filch had caught you, she said, and disappointment that he hadn't at least found out who Nicholas Flamel was. They had almost given up hope of ever finding Flamel in a library book, even though Harry was still sure he'd read the name somewhere. Once term had started, they were back to skimming through books for ten minutes during their breaks. Harry had even less time than the other two, because Quidditch practice had started again. Wood was working the team harder than ever. Even the endless rain that had replaced the snow couldn't dampen his spirits. The Weasleys complained that Wood was becoming a fan- fanatic, but Harry was on Wood's side. If they won their next match against Hufflepuff, they would overtake Slytherin in the house, um, the house championship for the first time in seven years. Quite apart from wanting to win, Harry found... Harry found that he had fewer nightmares when he was tired out after training. Then, during one particularly wet and muddy practice section, Wood gave the team a bit of bad news. He'd just gotten very angry with the Weasleys, who kept dive-bombing each other and pretending to fall off their brooms. "'Will you stop messing around?' he yelled. "'That's exactly the sort of thing that'll lose us the match!' Snape's refereeing this time, and he'll be looking for any excuse to... Knock points off Gryffindor. George really, George Weasley really did fall off his broom at these words. Snape's referee, 
he splattered through a mouthful of mud. Um, when's he ever refereed a Quidditch match? He's not going to be fair if we might overtake Slytherin. The rest of the team landed next to George to complain too. It's not my fault, said Wood. We've just got to make sure we play a clean game. So, so um, we've just got to make sure we play a clean game. So Snape hasn't got an excuse to pick on us. Which was all very well, Harry thought. But he had another reason for not wanting Snape while near, near him while he was playing Quidditch. The rest of the team hung back to talk um, to each other as usual at the end of practice. But Harry headed back straight to Gryffindor common room. Where he found Ron and Hermione playing chess. Chess was the only thing Hermione ever lost at. Something Ron Harry and Ron thought was very good for her. Don't talk to me for a moment, said Ron, when um Harry sat down next to him. I need to constant. Wait, what's the matter with you? He caught the sight of Harry's face. You look terrible. Speaking quietly so that no one else would hear. Um, Harry told the two other two about Snape's sudden sinister desire to ref to pl to be a Quidditch referee. Don't play, said Hermione at once. Say you're ill, said Ron. Pretend to break your leg, Hermione suggested. Really break your leg, said Ron. I can't, said Harry. If there isn't there isn't a reserve seeker. If I back out, Gryffindor can't play at all. Um, at that moment, Neville toppled onto into the common room. How he had managed to climb through the portrait hole was anyone's guess. Because his legs had been stuck together with what they recognised at once as the leg locker curse. He must have had to bunny hop all the way up to Gryffindor Tower. Everyone fell about laughing except for Hermione who leapt up and performed the counter curse. Neville's legs sprang apart and he got to his feet trembling. What happened? Hermione asked him, leading him over to sit with Ron... Harry and Ron. Malfoy, said Neville shakily. I met him outside the library. He said he'd been looking for someone t t to practice on. Go to Professor McGonagall, Hermione urged Neville. Report him. Neville shook his head. I don't want any more trouble, he mumbled. You've got to stand up to him, Neville, said Ron. He's used to walking all over people, but that's no reason to lie down in front of him and make it easier. There's no need to tell me that I'm not brave enough to be a Gryffindor. Malfoy's already done that, Neville choked. Harry felt in the pocket of his robes and pulled out a chocolate frog, the very last one from the box Hermione had given him for Christmas. He gave it to Neville, who looked as though he might cry. You're worth twelve of Malfoy, Harry said. This sorting hat chose you for Gryffindor, didn't it? And where's Malfoy in stinking Slytherin? Neville's, tw Neville's lips twitched into a weak smile as he unwrapped the frog. Th th thanks, Harry. I'll think I'll go to bed. Do you want the card? You collect them, don't you? As Neville walked away, Harry looked at the famous wizard card. Dumbledore again. He was the first one I ever... <gasps> he gasped. He looked at and stared at the back of the card. Then he looked up at Ron and Hermione. I found him, he whispered. I found Formel. I told you I read him in the names. I read the name somewhere before, and I read it on the train coming here. Listen to this. Professor Dumbledore is particularly famous for his defeat of the Dark Wizard Grindelwald in 1945, for the discovery of the twelve 
uses of dragon blood, and his work on alchemy with his partner, Nicholas Flamel. Hermione jumped to her feet. She hadn't looked so excited since they got back their very marks for their very first piece of homework. Stay there, she said, and she sprinted up to the girls' dormitories. Harry and Ron barely had time to exchange mystified looks before she was dashing back, an enormous book held in her arms. I'd never thought to look in here, she whispered excitedly. I got this out of the library a few weeks ago for a bit of light reading. Light? said Ron, but Hermione told him to be quiet until she looked something up and started flicking frantic frantically through the pages, muttering to herself. At last, she found what she was looking for. I knew it! I knew it! Are we allowed to speak yet? said Ron grumpily. Hermione ignored him. Nicholas Flamel, she whispered dramatically, is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. This didn't have quite the effect she expected. The what? said Harry and Ron. Oh, honestly, don't you two read? Look, read that. There. She pushed the books towards them and Harry and Ron read. The ancient study of alchemy is concerned with make the making of the Philosopher's Stone, a legendary substance with astonishing powers. The stone will transform any metal into pure gold. It also produces the elixir of life, which will make the drinker immortal. There have been many reports of the Philosopher's Stone over the centuries, but the only stone currently in existence belongs to Mr. Nicholas Flamel, the noticed alchemist in his six... Um, who, Noted alchemist and opera lover, Nicholas, Mr. Flamel, who celebrated his 655th and 65th birthday last year, enjoys a quiet life in Devon with his wife, Purnell. Purnell. 685. See, said Hermione, when Harry and Ron, when Harry and Ron finished, the dog must be guarding Flamel's Philosopher's Stone. I bet he asked Dumbledore to keep it safe for him because they're friends and he knew someone was after it. That's why he wanted the stone moved out of Gringotts. A stone that makes gold and stops you from dying, said Harry. No wonder Snape's after it. Anyone would want it. And no wonder we couldn't find it in... We couldn't find no and blah, blah, blah. no wonder we couldn't find Flamel in that study of recent developments in wizardry," said Ron. "He's not exactly recent. If he's six hundred eighty, if he's six hundred sixty-five, is he?" The next morning, in defense against the dark arts, while copying down different ways of treating werewolf bites, Harry and Ron were still discussing what they'd do with the philosopher's stone if they had one. It wasn't until Ron said he'd buy his own Quidditch team that Harry remembered about Snape in the coming match. If I'm going to play, he told Ron and Hermione. I'm going to play. Oh, sorry. I'm going to play, he told Ron and Hermione. If I don't, all the Sullivans would just think I'm a big scaredy cat and too scared to face Snape. If I show them, I'll really wipe the smiles off their face if we win. Just as long as you're not, just as long as we're not wiping you off the pitch, said Hermione. As the match drew nearer, however, Harry became more and more nervous, whatever he told Hermione, Ron and Hermione. The rest of the team weren't taking it too calm either. The idea of overtaking Slytherin in the house championship was wonderful. No one had done it for nearly seven years, but how would they be allowed to with such a biased referee? 
Harry didn't know whether he was imagining it or not, but he seemed but wherever he went he but he seemed to keep running into Snape wherever he went. At times, he even wondered if Snape was following him, trying to catch him on his own. Potion lessons were, were, were sort of turning into a weekly torture. Ha Snape was so horrible to Harry. Could Snape possibly know they found out about the Philosopher's Stone? Harry didn't know how he could. Yet, sometimes he had the horrible feeling that Snape could read minds. Harry knew when they wished Harry Harry knew when they wished him good luck outside the changing rooms next afternoon that Harona and Hermione were wondering if they'd ever see him alive again. This wasn't what you'd call comforting. Harry hardly hardly heard a word of Wood's pep talk as he pulled on his Quidditch robes and picked up his Nimbus two thousand. Ron and Hermione, meanwhile, had found a place in the stands next to Neville who couldn't understand why they had both looked so grim and worried, or why they had both brought their wands to the match. Little did Harry know that Ron and Hermione had been secretly practicing the, log the leg locker curse. They'd got the idea from Malfoy, using it on Neville, and were ready to use it on Snape if, she, if he showed any sign of wanting to hurt Harry. Now don't forget, it's Locomotor Mortis, um, uh, Hermione muttered, as Ron slipped his wand up his sleeve. I know, Ron snapped. Don't nag. Back in the changing room, Wood had taken Harry aside. I don't want any pressure on you, Potter, but if we ever need an early capture of the snitch, it's now. Finish the game before Snape can favour Hufflepuff too much. The whole school's out there, said Fred Weasley, peering out the door. Even, blimey, Dumbledore's come to watch. Harry's heart did a um, somersault. Dumbledore, he said, dashing to the door to make sure. Fred was right. There was no mistaking that silver beard. Harry could have laughed out loud with relief. He was safe. There was simply no way that um, Snape would dare to try and hurt him if S Dumbledore was watching. Perhaps that was why Snape was looking so angry as the teams marched onto the pitch, something that Ron had noticed too. I've never seen Snape look so mean, he told Hermione. And look, they're off. Ouch. Someone had poked Ron in the back of the head. It was Malfoy. Oh, sorry, Weasley. Didn't see you there. Malfoy grinned broadly at Crabbe and Goyle. Wonder how long Potter's going to stay on his broom this time. Anyone want to bet? How about you, Weasley? Ron didn't answer. Snape had just awarded Hufflepuff for penalty because George Weasley had hit a bludger at him. Hermione, who had all her fingers crossed in her lap, was squinting fixedly at Harry, who was circling the game like a hawk, looking for the snitch. You know how I think they choose people for the Gryffindor team, said Malfoy loudly a few minutes later, as Snape awarded a, a Hufflepuff a pe another penalty for no reason at all. It's people they feel sorry for, see. There's Potter, who's got no parents. Then the Weasleys, who's got no money. And then you should be on the team, Longbottom. You've got no brains. I'm worth 12 of you, Malfoy, he stammered. Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle howled with laughter. But Ron, still not daring to take his eyes from the game, said, You tell him, Neville.
Potter. If brains were gold, you'd be poorer than the Weasleys, and that's saying something. Um, Ron's nerves were stretched to the breaking point with anxiety about Harry. I'm warning you, Malfoy, one more word. Ron, said Hermione suddenly. Um, Harry, what? Where? Harry had gone into a spectacular dive, which drew gasps and cheers from the crowd. Hermione stood up. Her crossed fingers in her finger her crossed fingers in her mouth as Harry streaked towards the ground like a bullet. You're in luck, um Weasley. Potter's obviously spotted some money on the ground, said Malfoy. Ron snapped. Before Malfoy knew what was happening, Ron was on top of him, wrestling him to the ground. Neville hesitated, then clambered over the back of his seat to help. Come on, Harry! Hermione screamed leaping onto a seat to watch as Harry sped straight at Snape. She didn't even notice Malfoy and Ron rolling around under her seat or the scuffles and yelps coming from the whirl of fists that was Neville, Crabbe and Goyle. Up in the air, Snape turned on his broomstick just in time to see something scarlet shoot past him, missing him by inches. The next second, Harry pulled out of the dive, his arm raised in triumph, the snitch clasped in his hand. The, stay, the stands erupted. It had to be a record. No one could ever remember the snitch being caught so quickly. Run! Run! Where are you? The game's over! Harry, run! We've won! Gryffindor in the lead! Shrieked Hermione, dancing up and down on her seat and hugging Pavati Patil in the front row. Harry jumped off his broom, a foot from the ground. He couldn't believe it. He'd done it. The game was over. It had barely lasted five minutes. As the Gryffindors came spilling onto the pitch, he saw Snape land nearby, white-faced, his tight-lipped, then, and tight-lipped, and then he felt a hand on his shoulder and looked up into Dumbledore's smiling face. "Well done," said Dumbledore quietly, so that only Harry could hear. "Nice to see you. That you haven't. Nice to see you haven't been brooding about that mirror. Been keeping busy. Excellent." Snape spat bitterly on the ground. Harry had left the changing rooms alone. Harry had left the changing room alone some time later to take his Nimbus two thousand back to the broom shed. He couldn't ever remember feeling happier. He really had some. He'd really done something to be proud of now. No one could say he was a. He was just a famous name anymore. The evening air never smelled so sweet, but he. But. He walked over the damp grass, um, reliving the last hour in his head, which was ha which was a happy blur. Gryffindors running to lift him on their shoulders, Ron and Hermione in the distance, jumping up and down, Ron shearing through a heavy nosebleed. Harry reached the um, shed. Okay. Harry reached the shed. Where am I? Oh, yeah. Harry reached the shed. He leaned against the wooden, um, wooden door and looked up at uh, Hogwarts, with its windows glowing red in the sun and the setting sun. Gryffindor in the lead. He'd done it. He'd shown Snape. And speaking of Snape, a hooded figure came swiftly down the front of the castle steps, clearly not wanting to be seen. It walked very fast towards the Forbidden Forest. Harry's victory faded from him as he watched. He recognised the figure's prowling walk. Snape sneaking into the forest while everyone else was at dinner.
What was going on? Harry jumped back onto his Nimbus 2000 and um, took off, gliding silently through over the castle. He saw Snape enter the forest and, at a run. He followed. The trees were so thick that Harry couldn't see where Snape had gone. He flew in circles, lower and lower, brushing the top of the t um, branches of trees until he'd heard voices. He glided towards them and landed noiselessly in a lowering beech tree. He climbed carefully along one of um, the broomsticks, holding tight to his uh, to his branches, holding tight to his broomsticks, holding tight to his broomstick. Sorry. Um, trying to see through the leaves. Below, in a shadowy clearing, stood Snape, but he wasn't alone. Quill was there too. Harry couldn't make out the look on his face, but he was stuttering worse than ever. Harry strained to catch what, um, Harry strained to catch what every word they were saying. Don't, why? Oh, you say. Why you wanted to meet your of all places, Severus? Oh, I thought we'd keep this private," said Snape, his voice icy. Students aren't allowed to know about the Philosopher's Stone, after all. Harry leant forward. Quirrell was mumbling something. Snape interrupted him. Have you found out how to get that past that beast of Hagrid's yet? But, but, but Severus, I, I... You don't want me as your enemy, Quirrell, said Snape, taking a step forwards to him. I, I don't no, no, know what you... You know perfectly well what I mean. An owl hooted loudly, and Harry nearly fell out of it out of the tree. He steadied himself in time to hear what um what to hear Snape say Your little bit of hocus pocus I'm waiting But 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 I I don't very well Snape cut in We'll have a little chat another time soon when you've had a little time to think and decide where your loyalties lie. He threw his cloak over his head and strode out of the clearing. It was almost dark now, but Harry could see Quirrell standing quite still as though he was been, he had been petrified. Harry, where have you been, Hermione squeaked. We won! You won! Everyone won! shouted Ron, thumping Harry on the back. And I gave Malfoy a black eye, and Neville tried to take on Crabbe and Goyle single-handedly. He's still out cold, but Madame Pomfrey says he'll be all right. Talk about showing Slytherin. Everyone's waiting for you in the common room. We're having a party. Fred and George stole some cakes from the kitchens. Never mind that now, said Harry breathlessly. Let's find an empty room. Wait till you hear this. He made sure Peeves wasn't inside before shutting the door. Then he told them what he'd seen and heard. So we were right. Is the Philosopher's Stone? And Snape trying to force Quirrell to help him get it. And he and he he asked if he knew how to get past Fluffy yet. And something about Quirrell's hocus pocus. I reckon there were other things guarding the stone apart from Fluffy. Loads of enchantments. 
probably, and Quill would have done some anti-dark spell, a dark art spell, which Snape would have needed to break through. So, you mean, as long as Quill stands up to Snape, um, the... So do you mean the stone safe? So do you mean the stone safe only as long as Quill stands up to Snape? Said Hermione in alarm. It'll be gone by next Tuesday. Said Ron. So that's the end for today. Um, the next chapter is um chapter fourteen. Um, the Norwegian Ridgeback. Um, so if you wanted to enjoy this episode today, um, share this with your friends and family, and, um, uh, follow whatever platform you're listening to this on, and check out my other episodes, um, if you want to. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say, uh, I'll see you when I make another podcast episode. Bye!